0: The Dollars and Hops Podcast, where we help you optimize your financial future. Here are your hosts, Scott and Lance. Welcome back to the Dollars and Hops Podcast. My name is Lance. I'm your host. We're so glad you've joined us here on the pod to catch up on maybe how you can, uh, you know, how we can help you optimize your financial future Maybe some headlines, maybe some money hacks. We got a little bit of everything for you in this episode and uh, how to track your financial health. Pumped to talk about this with my boy, Scotter. Scott, what's going on, brother? How have you been, man? It's been a little while. What's going on? It man? has.
1: Um, yeah, a little, little while. Not too, too long. I'm, I'm, I'm excited nah. to um, drink a beer, talk about one of my favorite topics today, which is it's really net worth. Lance. We're talking about net worth when we're talking about tracking your financial health. And uh, we go way back to episode one. We did We did a deep dive on net worth. This is going to be a little bit of a refresher. We're going to also have some new content in here um, from, from some things that we've learned over the last uh, couple of years. So excited to hop into uh, net worth today with you. But before we do... Uh, each and every episode, Lance and I will sip on a craft beer. We put them head to head at the end. We give them a score. We track all of those scores on our website, and then at the end of this episode, we will establish a victor for the beer. Uh, Lance, what are you sipping on this evening? Found
0: this one in the back of the fridge. This is a New Belgium brew, and it's out of their Belgian collection. Uh, it's out of Fort Collins, Colorado and this is their trappelle. Oh. Yeah, Fort Collins, Colorado, man. Uh this All is their right. trappelle, Belgian style ale. Um and I believe I need to research this better, but uh I believe a trappelle is a style of actual Belgian beer it goes back a long time. And uh yeah, a little bit different out of our uh IPA, hazy IPA kind of uh, you know, comfort box that we we typically fall into. So trying trying to get outside of that a little bit what do you got scott
1: good for you lance i am not trying to get out of that box (laughs) i love that box and i'm gonna stay in it this one is from sierra nevada which lance did you know where sierra nevada out of what would you tell me
0: there's two right so there's the one in asheville which is the newer one but sierra nevada um is it uh it's not nevada or california somewhere out west right Colorado yeah
1: it's it's California and California. I, I didn't I didn't know that so this it looks like it could be out of uh, Chico California or or yeah. or Mills Mills River North Carolina which is right outside of Asheville but uh, this one's the dankful IPA it's actually been on the pod before Lance had it uh, so now it's my turn to rate it. That's and, great, man. I Lance, I looked it up. You had a 92 on this beer. Yeah, so I did we'll like see. the thankful IPA. It was a good one. We'll see if I think it lives up to the 92 hype that, that, uh, that you got going on
0: there. Absolutely.
1: All right, Lance, we have a money hack of the week. This one is pretty simple. It's get a smart thermostat if you don't already have one. And the reason I say Hmm. this is because they're smarter than you might think. A lot of people think smart thermostat just means you can kind of control the thermostat from your phone. But really what these thermostats do is they learn your behavior over time and it will adjust the temperature um, according to your behavior. And it will also adjust the temperature based upon times of the day and when energy is uh, the most efficient to use. Um, and it also will, um, sense when you are basically not at the home and we'll put it into like an eco mode, um, where it'll drop the temperature. So, uh, before we hit record, Lance, you were telling me, I, I I was like, yeah, no, here's our money (laughs) hack. This one's a no brainer, but there's gotta be people out there that don't have this. And Lance tells me, I don't actually have one
0: of those. I I do not have one. I did, and now I feel a little triggered and a little attacked, and I feel like I need to defend myself a little bit. <laughs> uh, I do not have one, and you know I did buy a nest back in the day. Got Carolyn on board, which was uh which was a tough feat for this one. Uh, you know, finally pulled the trigger on it. I was excited about it. I go to install it myself, and lo and behold, the type of HVAC system we have that came with this house—it's a pretty massive one—not uh, supported by. Google Nest. Crazy. And I, I almost didn't even believe it. I called up Nest and everything. And they're like, yeah, it does not, um, it's not, doesn't come with it. It doesn't support your unit. So I, I basically, you know, and then back in my court, I stopped, I stopped looking around. I, I gave up. I was like, well, we got one that works, whatever. Not a big deal. I returned the nest, got my money back. And I said, that's that, I guess it doesn't work. But Scott reminded me, he said, there's a whole bunch of different models out there. There's the Ecobee or whatever. There's the Honeywell. There's the, there a whole bunch of different competing brands. And I have not done the due diligence to look. And I, I bet it would save me money per month. And we do have a higher energy bill. I'm reminded of this every month or every couple <laughs> months by uh, whoever does our uh, you know gas and electric and all that. That we have a higher use of energy than the average household, and I'm like, well, yeah, it's because we have four little kids, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like we're running yeah, long we're trail home all the day. time. We're home all the time, yeah. yeah. So you know, I but I think it's a good money hack that I actually need to maybe do a little research on and and look at my actual AC unit and see what's supported by it, and kind of you know, instead of just sitting on my heels and saying like, you know, what can be done. I think it's a good one. I I do. I you know, if the cost benefit savings really is there so cheap for these it It pays for itself pretty quickly right bucks 100 bucks 20 bucks
1: are you serious yeah yeah they're not expensive um honeywell also makes one and i use that um for uh property that i own that we're about three hours away from that we rent out um and it it works phenomenally well and then here in my own personal residence we we use a nest and um no complaints and I can tell you there's so many times that I come home either we did like a short weekend trip or we went somewhere for a long period of time and we come back and the nest has automatically adjusted the temperature down or up depending on what season it is and I just I just know I saved money because I wasn't there I didn't need it and I completely forgot when I left to change the thermostat so it might be a couple bucks here and there, but that stuff adds up over the course of years. It'll easily pay for itself. So that's my money hack. That's all I have to say. Go get a, a smart thermostat. End of store.
0: You know, that, that that's helpful. And I think along those same lines, what, maybe one additional money hack to throw out if you're looking at energy cost savings. That's kind of what category this falls into. I was listening to Clark Howard's podcast recently, and he was talking about how one of the biggest bangs for your buck is uh, checking the insulation yeah. on your house yeah. um, above. And I know mine's an older house. It's like a 1976 house, ranch style. And when we bought the house, they were like, hey, the insulation, you know, it's okay, but it's kind of low. And that was like five years ago. So I know we're probably due for that. And that's something else I'm going to look into also and to help lower that energy bill. Uh, just that the, the AC in the summertime and the heating in the wintertime, it's just going to escape right out the roof right out the ceiling if your insulation's not up to. Up to snuff.
1: Perfect, Lance. All right, let's go ahead and hop into the main topic. We're talking about tracking your financial health, and what do I mean when I say that your financial health? I think of your financial health as really a measure of how well you're doing with your money. So, what I'm not talking about is your credit score. That's something people people look at and they say, "Oh, I have a great credit score. I have an 800 credit score." I must be doing great with my money. It doesn't, it doesn't, that, that just tells you how well you're paying your bills. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting ahead on the income statement, uh, which for us is, is really that net worth statement. Um, so what we're talking about here is how much money you actually have. When you add up all of your assets and you subtract your liabilities, that is your net worth, right? So we're talking about adding up the brokerage account, your retirement account, uh, your the value of your home, and then we're subtracting your credit card debt, your student loan debt, um, uh, all of the debts that you have on an ongoing basis. You add all that up. And the difference between those two things is your net worth. So that's what we're talking about here. Um, and we did an episode episode number 1 this is how foundational this is our first episode was about net worth and we went into great detail about mm-hmm. how lance and i calculate yep. net worth but the point i want to get across is that people people think about money in a, in a million different uh, kind of kind of respects but this boils everything down uh to its simplest form and everybody can do a net worth statement very easily, it uh, and, and the way I would recommend doing it is either in Excel or in Google Sheets. Google Sheets is a little bit easier, um, simply because it allows you to track it in, almost in real time. Um, so we'll have a spreadsheet in our sh- using those Google Finance functions, right? The the Google Finance functions, Lance, they are wild. Uh, I, yeah, think, I think I think you. Yeah, I think you taught me about Google finance functions, I don't know, seven, eight years ago now, and I was mind blown. And what are we talking yeah. about when we talk about these Google finance functions? It's it's literally, you can put into a spreadsheet um, on Google uh, a Google finance function, and it will pull the stock price of any uh, publicly traded company or ETF. Or mutual fund or,
0: or ETF. Or, and it'll yeah, pull any, any the fund.
1: value of that in real time. So you can basically type in the number of shares that you own and multiply it by the the, the current value using that finance function. And it'll give you a real-time value update of whatever that fund or account is, is worth. Uh, you might have a retirement account at work. You might have a brokerage account somewhere else. You can tie it
0: all in to one uh, kind of sheet. One, one, and, and yeah, one pane of glass. Yeah. One pane of glass for your entire financial picture. I think um, I think it's, like Scott said, it was our first episode. We decided to kind of hit that, that why do you track net worth, you know, or financial health, however you want it, your financial wellness. It's so foundational. I think when I started to track it, I started to understand that there was, there's so much you learn along the way, right, for all of us as we're going through life. And as you're building your wealth, you're paying down your debts, you're living your life, you're working your careers, you're going to school, whatever you're doing like we are all learning all the time, hopefully. And one thing I began to learn early on was that I just wasn't paying attention at all until I put it all on one pane of glass, one spreadsheet on this Google sheet, discovered the Google finance functions and started playing around with it and started realizing, man, I can track like everything, like within a pretty high degree of accuracy of like my entire financial life. Like, the mortgage I own, if you own any car, any car debt, if you own any like other, you know, to the point where you're boiling all, all your assets, all your liabilities, it's changing real time with the markets. Maybe you update that home price every so often, every couple months. Now, you know, every year used to be now it's like every month it's going up, right? With the, the cost of housing. Right. But, you know, you go in there and anything that you manually update, you, you do that manually, but all of the automatic updates and you start to see what levers are being pulled as you know, you're investing and you start to see that compound growth kind of working real time. like you're, you're seeing it and you're checking it every month maybe or every quarter. and you're seeing you're tracking how it's progressing over time. Man, and it does something to you. I think it's something similar to, you know, on, for the Ramsey tribe, people who do the Dave Ramsey thing to pay off debt, you know, when they're tracking their debts and they're paying them off, they're, they always talk about there's some kind of like motivation. There's some kind of like goal. And, and it's like this drive that helps you even like more willpower, more like I'm going to work extra hours. I'm going to sell extra stuff. I'm going to get tighter on our budget every month. Like it's just when you start paying attention and and tracking these things, whether you're tracking your spending or tracking your paying off your debt or tracking your financial wellness, like you, you, begin, you begin to see it increase more because you're just paying more attention to it just by the very nature of it. So I, I I mean when we started tracking our net worth I mean I started seeing the differences and started making some different decisions I think over time um, you know sometimes it could be maybe one simple example is like man do I really want to take six thousand whole dollars and invest that into my Roth IRA you know when. I could do X, Y, Z with it or there's these cool like thermostats out there that are smart apparently, <laughs> and can like help my home like be like, or, 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 you know, and if you're not tracking it, it might sound boring. It might sound like, well, that's six grand. I'm going to like never see until I'm like 60 years old. That's boring. But there's a way in which if you're tracking it and actually seeing it grow, that it becomes a little more exciting and a little more tangible. And like all these little nuances and tricks are really important because they help you make smarter decisions. Where like five or 10 years from now, you're going to be really thankful you did versus like 10 years from now, if I would have done something stupid with that money and blown it, uh, you know, that's it's, it's gone. Essentially, it's, it's not like invested. It's not work, working for me and growing. When you see it, the progress, when you see it growing, you're tracking along the way. It does something to you where, where you're like, oh, these are the levers I can pull. And it actually has material significance for me down the road as I'm building my wealth. Yeah, Lance. So I want to
1: get into a little bit of an example of this to kind of illustrate what we're talking about here. So, for example, if you were to go out and buy a $40,000 car, which cars are crazy expensive right now, that's not unreasonable, especially if you get a new car. You would put that into your net worth statement. Hey, I now have a $40,000 car. I now have a $40,000 payment for that car or whatever the payment amount is. A couple months goes by, that car is no longer worth $40,000. So you would have to go into your net worth statement. You'd have to depreciate that car down to $38,000, right? Your loan amount might also come down because of the payment that you're making, but the value of that car is going to decrease every few months on your net worth statement if you go to look that up, what it's worth. I mean, as soon as you drive it off the lot, it's worth less in a normal environment. I don't know. Today, the car market's crazy. Who knows, it might be worth more when you drive it off the lot. I have no idea. But typically, a car goes down immediately when you pull it off the, off the lot. If you were to instead buy a $20,000 used car, that car is going to depreciate uh, at, at a lesser rate on a monthly basis. So you're still going to have to depreciate that twenty thousand dollar car, but you're going to be doing it at a much, uh, you know, lower rate, uh, and you're going to have more cash flow in your life to do other things with. So that's a perfect example where you might say, "Okay, well, I spent forty thousand dollars. I'm getting a forty thousand dollar car uh, that that's you know it's it's worth forty thousand dollars." But it's a depreciating asset. And it's so easy to see that when you're tracking your net worth on a monthly basis, on a daily basis, it it just hits you in the face because it's on a spreadsheet, it's a number. And once you start tracking it, you want the number to go up. That's what we're doing, right? We're, We're trying to figure out what levers we can pull to make the net worth go up. And there's no better way to start understanding how money works than to track net worth.
0: No, it's absolutely true. It's almost like it's a, it's a complete mindset shift when you start to see like, oh, if I bought that new car, like now I see how that would, like. Your, your point's a good one, like your example of like, the car is just going to depreciate over time and a newer car is going to depreciate more rapidly than a used car. And so I think I'm kind of um, visual when it comes to math and spreadsheets. Like it's, it's just helpful for me to just see it um, and and there's really no better way than the it's really the balance sheet of your life, you know. If you, if you're familiar with like the, the terms of the right. cash flow statement, balance sheet, um, income statement for like uh, on a company accounting basis, like this is the balance sheet of your life. Like you're stacking up everything you own uh, versus everything you owe, and then you have this number. And I think even just knowing what that number is. Like, I mean, how many of us are just going through the motions, living paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, living life on payments, whether it's like, you know, your student loan payment versus your car payment versus your rent or your mortgage payment, you know, your grocery bills. Maybe you got some credit card bills, carrying some credit card debt. Like how how many of us are just living our lives on auto payment and not even really understanding the opportunity cost over time that we are forfeiting because we're not living intentionally within a budget on less than we make so that we can live and give on on the rest on less than we make. And then we have some margin left over to invest intentionally, right? To grow that net worth statement, right? That we're talking about. like Because once you start to see that grow and know that you do have some margin after what you live and give on, on that monthly budget every single month. You start to see where you can put that into a system to actually grow in those low low cost index funds or investing in real estate. Man, it gets you excited, and you're like, "My gosh, I'm actually making some progress here. I can see it. It's not like imaginary. It's not made up. I actually can look back over time and see what it was at the end of February in 2016, and compare it where it was at the end of February in 2021, and you can see that trajectory." And all the data points in between and be like, man, this is working. Like we're able to do this. And as you grow your wealth, you're able to, man, it just gives you so much more flexibility, so many more options. And you can be more generous. You can be more generous. You can make different decisions when it comes to your kid's education. You can make different decisions when it comes to, you see a family in need that need might need a used car or something. You can make different decisions when, you know, it's, so the argument against doing this is like, well, it just doesn't really matter. It just doesn't really, you know, or I don't have time or whatever. It's like, no, it does matter. It, it really matters. And you should be tracking this to at least know where you are. Um, you know, for whatever your why is, you need to find out what your why reason would be to do this. But you, I'm, I'm talking to whoever's listening to this right now, you should be doing this. You should know these numbers for yourself, for your family. Um, and have some sort of goals to grow it over time. The other thing I want to
1: say, Lance, is that doing this activity on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis, whatever the case might be, it also starts to build confidence in how you handle money. When you start to see. Absolutely. When you start to see the net worth statement uh, going in the right direction and your and your and your net worth is increasing, uh, that's it's almost like that, uh, almost like a self fulfilling thing, where it's it's like you're you're getting to be programmed on how to handle money. You know, if you handle money in a certain way, what the outcome of that uh, of that is going to be. So, uh, the confidence thing is huge, and and I also want to mention that some of you might do this and be a little discouraged at the start because you might be in a situation where you're newer in your career um, or maybe not even in your career yet. And you might have a negative net worth and that is totally fine. You might owe more than you have in assets with, you know, let's just say you're coming out of college. You have student loan debt. um, You have a car that you still owe on. You might add up your net worth and it might be negative and that is totally fine. The, the key is to start tracking it even if it's negative because then you can start to see progress and you can start to see how progress is actually made and you can start building that confidence month after month. So I think the key is track it. Have a way to track it. We recommend Google Sheets. We have a, a spreadsheet that you can download right off of our website in the show notes to start doing this. You might not have every account that we have on that spreadsheet, but just start somewhere. Make the spreadsheet work for you and the second piece of it is to track the net worth on a monthly basis. Make a note in your calendar every single month and write down what the number is, whether it's positive, negative, whether it went up or down. Some months it's going to go up, some months it's going to go down. Lance and I still have negative months when we have a, a market downturn. It's totally normal, but it is incredibly powerful to see the history of, of your net worth, so that you can build that confidence to know that, hey, I'm handling money in the right way.
0: Man, that's really true. Well spoken. And I I think I love what you said also about the act of actually doing it. I I can't stress that enough to actually sit down, put it all on one pane of glass, one spreadsheet. And again, we have a template Scott mentioned, we're going to put a link to it in the show notes on our website. Um, even in the show notes of this, where in your, whatever your podcast player is of choice, it should be there and the, the the link should be there to click on it, download that Google spreadsheet and just take a look at it. You're going to have to make it your own. You're going to have to kind of tweak it for your own self. Um, but the process of actually going through and thinking through, okay, what are all my retirement accounts and where are they? What are all my, um, you know, savings accounts and checking accounts and, you know, any assets of value that I have, you know, my car whatever it is. Uh, you know, then all your student loans and all your debts. Just to think through it, uh, there's, there's just something about it, it's organizing, Scott. It's organizing. You know, if you're like me, I live a lot of cluttered lifestyle stuff. Like it's just how I. It's how <laughs> I. I don't know if it's a creative thing. Like I have a little bit of creative juices and like with music and stuff. And I like to do all that. And like I, I move kind of fast at work. I work out of my car. My car is a mess half the time. I gotta clean it up all the time. Like my my studio is a disaster. There's stuff everywhere. And, and it's just like, there's something about having that spreadsheet where I'm like, I know where everything is and I know how to like manipulate it. Or if I have something new that happens or something changes, I can change it super quick. It becomes comfortable. It's almost like I built that habit into my financial life. And it allows us me to, it allows me to organize my thoughts where I'm not stressed about good example. When that came in handy is like a couple years ago. Um, I remembered, I was like, wait a minute, I have this old 401k, I'm old company. It's just sitting there. And it, it kept kind of prompting me as I'm looking at the monthly, you know, net worth tracker.
1: And it was on, it was on, on the, the net worth, worth tracker. Statement.
0: And I'm thinking like, Got I it. could like, every time I look at it, I'd be like, I should roll that over into a traditional IRA. So I have more control over it. I keep it all in one spot, put it in Vanguard maybe, or Schwab or something. And, yeah. and do something more low cost with it. And I have control over what it, what it and I can kind of just get away from my a, a former employer and just have full control. And it prompted me enough that finally I took action on it and I did it. And it turned out that it, it was a huge, huge benefit to do it when I did it. And what I invested in since then has been like bonkers crazy way better than what it was in with the former employer so that's one Mm. small example like very small example that had massive massive returns and benefits over time um but man just putting it all together we're like every month you kind of go in maybe maybe if every month is too crazy for you quarterly is fine but i like what scott said i think every month is is what you should be doing to just check in like we do a monthly budget man you should do a monthly net worth update tracker And it, a lot of it's tracked automatically. You just do it the first time. A lot of it's going to automatically track from that point on. And maybe, maybe you had a big bonus. You can put in a couple assets manually. You paid down your car, you paid down your home a little bit, those types of things. But you know, those are, those are fun to update. And then you kind of get the new report of what's a new net worth. And it's like, oh, we're down a little bit or, oh, we're up a little bit. We can, you know, what are some giving opportunities we have that we want to, now we have this net worth, man, we can give to like these other things because now I, I know my net worth it's not this nebulous thing where it's like, I think maybe, and like, don't we owe that? And like, is this a good I idea? I don't know if we pay for <laughs> that. I don't know. I'm telling you, like, it gives you peace to be able to know, like, no, like, we're on the right track. We're hitting our goals. Like, we can invest in this thing over here. We can give to this thing over here. Like, that's really, really, really important. So, I hope you hear what Scott and I are saying, and I hope we are able to sell you on the idea. That it's worth your time, it's worth your energy, it's worth you building a system in place, whatever that is for your life, to look at your entire financial picture on one spreadsheet, on one Google sheet, and track it over time. Just the benefits are just countless, and just they compound over time, and, and you know, for your benefit.
1: Yep, and and I want. Um, I I think you mentioned this on the first episode, Lance, but I. Uh, Net worth shouldn't be confused with self worth, right? Yeah, you might do definitely. this exercise. You might see, geez, I have a negative hundred thousand dollar net worth. Um, gosh, uh, how am I ever going to, to, right? <laughs> to get, to work. Gonna get go. ahead? Right? How am um, I ever going to get ahead? So yeah, don't don't think about this as your self worth. Just think of it as a starting point and as gosh, a tracking yeah. mechanism, and and it's a helpful tool to. um Really help you think about money in a different way. So, um,
0: That's good, man. Good word, good word, and good reminder. Of definitely, your net worth is not your self worth. And it's, you know, you never want to get that confused that you have self worth no matter who you are, no matter where you are listening to this, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going to go through, you have self worth. And it is in no way tied to your net worth at all, at all, totally separate.
1: So if you get nothing else out of this episode, I hope it's that we gave you a kick in the butt. Kick in the butt. To start a net worth statement. Because if you're listening to this podcast and you do not have a net worth statement, I don't know. Or at I, least know I, I, what I your net
0: worth, yeah, I guess that's how you would get it. But like, yeah, to just you know You need your net worth. to have it.
1: Otherwise, I don't even want you to go on to the next episode. I want you to just keep listening to this one <laughs> over and over and over again until you do it. I don't care what it looks like. You need to start tracking it. You need to have it. You need to do it. I l- Hopefully that that motivates you.
0: I love it. We're going to move on. Questions that need answers. We got some questions that need answers. And if you have a question that needs an answer on the pod, please don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Send me a text. Send Scott a text. If you don't have our phone numbers, send us an email. Questions at dollarsandhops.com. Uh, We check that inbox regularly, and it's usually pretty empty. So you can make us happy. Send us some cool, uh, you know. Send us a question. Send us a question. That'd be great. Um, And so our buddy, uh, Jason, writes in, and he says, Hey, Scott and Lance, I was able to close on a home for my family recently. Congrats, Jason. Proud of you, brother. That's awesome. He writes this. After being in the home, there are so many things we realize that we need or should have such as termite bonds, small home repairs, plumbing, electrical. Yikes. How do we decide where to invest versus prioritize spending money on repairs? It's really a question of decision-making with money once you're in a new home. Scott, what are your thoughts on this very thoughtful question?
1: Yeah, Jason, we appreciate the question, um, and I think that uh, this kind of impacts everybody, um, especially those new homeowners that might not have a whole lot of money for the for the extras when they move in to kind of get to the house in tip top shape. So, um, I like to think of this in in a couple of different ways here. So, um, number one, anything that's major, we're talking safety concerns, like like structural concerns, uh, that, 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 might be with the property, anything that's, I mean, you mentioned termites, like if there's a termite problem, you want to get that addressed. Otherwise that could lead to other problems within the house. So I would, I, I would put the, uh, the things that you need to address for your house into kind of different buckets, like a, a nice to have bucket, a must have bucket, um, and, and kind of start tackling, um, those two things differently. So anything in my opinion, that's like a safety concern that needs to be first and foremost, at the end of the day, you're living in this house. You need to make sure that it's, it's safe to do so take care of those things immediately. More of the cosmetic things, I would stick into another bucket. And after I've taken, I've taken care of all of the major things, uh, that really need, uh, to be, uh, uh, done on, on on your house, then I would I would kind of separate some money. So if you had I don't know three hundred dollars in the budget for these sorts of things, um, maybe take a hundred and fifty, save it, take the other hundred and fifty, and start dealing with the list of of items uh, that are kind of nice to have, but I I sort of need to have these. Um, and then, you know, if there's anything else that's really just a, a wish list, just just put it on the wish list. And once you start making your way through all these things, once you've gotten past the must-haves, you've, you've gotten past the, I think I need to have these things, then you can start tackling the wish list. Um, but saving should really be a priority over that. So that's how I would think about it. I know that's kind of like a long-winded answer, but I think you need to deal with the things that are... The most critical right away, and then you need to have kind of a, a two pronged strategy with saving and dealing with the other issues as they come up over time.
0: That's awesome, Scott. And I think your monthly budget probably plays a huge role in that too, right? Like you got it, it, it certainly. Like, like would, you yeah. got a new mortgage, you got a new, you know, new place you're living, and all this stuff. So, like, I love your advice. Like, hey, don't bite off more than you can chew right away. Don't feel like you got to get it all done right away. Prioritize those crazy things first that are structural safety, all that. And then go down, make a list, go down a list and, and tighten up that monthly budget and, and let that be part of your why, right? Because the more, the more room you get in, your, in that monthly budget, the quicker you can kind of get down that list, you know, if, if it's important to you and your family.
1: All right, Lance, I got one for you. This one comes from Jeff. What are your thoughts on doing a cash out refinance on my house and investing the money This is something that a lot of people might be in a position where they could do it uh, because housing values have gone through the roof. Uh, What what do you think about taking money out, increasing the mortgage, and investing the money, Lance?
0: Mm. So we're recording this, I believe it's on uh, April 20th. 420. 420, 420-22. So- You know, for everybody, a cash out refi basically means you're going to refinance your house, hopefully at a lower rate than what you already have. And when you refinance the house, you're actually going to take some dollars out, like Scott said, in the form of equity. So it was home equity and you're going to take it out in the form of cash um, to do whatever you're going to do with it. Um, So when that happens, uh, you are basically increasing the amount that you're borrowing. Am I right, Scott? So, see,
1: yeah. So, like, if you had, let's say, your house was worth five hundred thousand dollars, but you only owed three hundred thousand dollars on the house, right? You could do a cash out refinance, and maybe you owe four hundred thousand instead of three hundred, right. so, and they, the bank, so yeah. will pay you the other hundred thousand. Correct. That's what we're so, talking. It's like it's kind of like eh. using your house as an ATM.
0: Yeah, so and that's and that's a great example. So in that example, you are you only owed 300, but now you're going to be owing 400 instead, but 100 of that you now having cash to do whatever you want with. So this question's about hey, and I'm going to invest that money, right? Because I can invest that money and over time probably crush the interest rate whether it's, you know, a, a year or two ago it was at 3%, you know, then like earlier this year it was like at 4%. Now we're creeping up into 5%, right? right. So it's getting to be You know, that's a part of the of this question is like, what are the current interest rates? Then you got to think about closing costs, right? Because it's not just a free transaction to kind of make all this legally happen for you to get that cash out. And that can vary as well. Um, I I'm of the mindset, man, this is going to be maybe an unpopular opinion. But if it's your primary residence, um, I, I just don't love playing with my own house that I live in and just trying to like leverage it up as much as possible increasing again because you're borrowing more yeah you're going to get that cash up front and maybe you can invest it and maybe you can even do better than 5%. Yeah, maybe you can arbitrage that and make 10, 11, 12% in the market. By the way, this year right now year to date, the S&P 500 index fund is down about 6% year to date. So it's down 6%. So if you had done Sounds this Sounds like
1: a really good opportunity, Lance.
0: I agree. I agree. <laughs> if you can buy I, I I definitely agree with that. But the point being that if you're going to do this to arbitrage an interest rate already, you would be um in a swing of let's say 11%. Yeah. You know, plus it's risky. minus 6. But yeah. It is risky. That, that's you're basically boiling it down for me. So it's risky. Your monthly mortgage is going to go up for the duration of the new loan, which is probably going to be 30 years. You know, so whatever your mortgage you're comfortable with, I like just keeping, you know, you guys know this about me like I like getting my monthly budget down just slim just slim as much as possible part of that is I have a variable income so it goes up and down I like to just keep my living expenses down as much as possible and by doing this I would be increasing my mortgage significantly and yeah on the net worth statement maybe it bumps up a little bit over time and maybe you can arbitrage that a little bit but like Scott's saying it's really risky um I think if you have rental property um I think this might actually make more sense doing it with a rental unit Um, because if something goes haywire, you can always sell that off and do something else with the dollars and it's not the house you're living in. Um,
1: Well, it's also, it's also the, the tenants, you know, are are typically paying for the, for the mortgage
0: payment. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully it's cash flowing and they're paying for the mortgage payment. And, but I, I guess when it's the house that I'm raising my family in, there's just something about like trying to leverage that up even more just to get a little bit more out of the market when it's total risk. I don't like to play that game personally, but you might want to take that risk. And you know, if you want to do that, I think that's okay. You just have to know the risk that you're going into, and that you know you're basically signing on for a higher mortgage rate. Um, it it might you might not make that that difference over time, although you probably would. And could you sleep at night? Could you be okay with that? Could you be disciplined enough to take that money that in your example, Sky, the extra hundred thousand dollars, and actually invest it? all at once and let it ride no matter what, right? And that takes a special kind of person to do that. A lot of people that I know would not be able to do that. So for those people, the answer would be like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do it with your primary residence. You probably shouldn't cash out refi just to invest in the market. Um, If you had a rental property, again, I think that can make more sense. And I've looked at it myself. But again, I always fall back on the more conservative side where I'm like, Man, I just like having that lower mortgage payment, and eventually it's gonna be paid off. Right. I like I like having no mortgage personally, and then it all cash flows if it's a rental uh, property. Or I like having my primary mortgage like all the way paid off eventually, as agreed upon after thirty years, and I don't have any mortgage payment. Right. So that's kind of the the two extremes you're you're looking at. So you know it, it's it's. <sighs> That's kind of my best way of dissecting. It. I didn't really give an answer, but I think, yeah, I guess I did. I think we I, could do a whole episode on this question.
1: There's a, so it, many details. There's and, a lot of factors. Yeah, yeah, man, it gets deep. So
0: I think it's more about a val- It's more about like your values, where you align, and your risk tolerance, right? And your discipline to be able to invest. All of those things play huge roles in this question. And for me, even though I would say me personally, I have the discipline to invest it. I have the risk tolerance for it actually and I still would say no. Yeah. Um because it's my primary residence and that's my personal choice because of what I value and I value a home for my family that's not like super at risk. Um you know of a market crash and then like me not being able to pay it and then you know a potential foreclosure. I wouldn't even want that on my radar. So, you know, for a rental property, I could be more open to that and think about it. You yeah, know, that's me.
1: That's why personal finance is so personal because i so mean personal if, if we personal. if we really ran numbers on jeff's question i think the mm-hmm. math would bear out over a 30-year period that it's better just to take the money and invest it but it but then there's all those True. psychological and emotional factors that go into the decision and whether or not that person that's doing it can stick to their guns and do what they say they're going to do with the money over the 30-year period so that's why it's yeah. like I, that's why i kind of I kind of lean towards your answer even though the math would say something different right. but it's something to think about. It's um, a good point. And yeah. it's it, it's 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 a pretty deep question and a little it's it a is, hard man. it's a hard one to uh, to answer so thank you Jeff for that question.
0: No, that's right. It is.
1: All right, Lance, let's go ahead and get into the hops showdown portion of the pod. Lance, you were drinking the what was this ha, ha, ha,
0: Trappel? Is it was a Trappell beer. What, what is it? New Belgium Belgian style trapel. Uh yeah, I'll go first. Um so man, I had a trapel recently. Um, with my wife, we had a date night. It was like a, a beer and wine spot. We were just having a um, a cocktail and uh and some like like a charcuterie board, Scott. Dope charcuterie board. <laughs> and uh I ordered a trapel and it was not this one. And I remember thinking like, I don't really like, like this. Uh, it kind of tastes like throw up is kind of like, it, it did not it had like a stomach acidity kind of uh, vibe that I was not digging at all. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. And somehow this trapel ended up in my fridge cause I probably would have never bought it. So I don't know if somebody stuck it in there or like how it ended up there, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give it a shot. And I gave the trapel another shot and the trapel was much better this one was much, much better than my other one. So New Belgium Chappelle was great. I I felt like it kind of lacked some flavor. I'm used to my IPAs that are being like really hoppy or really dry hopped or like having a lot of body. This was more almost like, it was almost like a Hefeweizen. It was like, it kind of reminded me of like some warm weather and um, it it had good carbonation to it, but it was like Uh, It just wasn't really full flavor. It just didn't like wow me, but it definitely was not throw-uppy or anything like that. It was like a good flavor, just not all the way to like a weedy Hefeweizen, but like uh, kind of on the spectrum there, I would say. So it was good, not great. I give it an 84.
1: 84. Okay. All right. I was drinking the Dankful IPA. This is the one, Lance. uh, This is from Sierra Nevada. You gave it a ninety-two back, back on episode eight, Lance ninety-two. Oh, what a classic episode, episode! Episode eight. I don't even know what that one was about, but I'm sure I don't it was know. I don't for know. sure. <laughs> um, so this is just a very uh, standard IPA. Um, just, just a very basic IPA, but just so smooth, very, very well done. Um, I love the IPAs. Like, if it's not a hazy, I like an IPA that's kind of got that like pine type of finish. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, I love that. So, if yeah. it's not a hazy, the only way to get into the 90s is if you give me that. And and Dankful IPA gave me that. You said oh, it was a 92. Slayer. I disagree. Don't think it gets to 92, but I do think it's a 91, which is right there. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's not a 92 because it's not a hazy. And it, it, I don't I don't put anything in the 92 oh and the higher unless it's a hazy. So oh we're gonna go 91. Buddy, Sierra Nevada, now. thankful IPA now. takes
0: this episode. Well done. Well
1: done. All right, everybody, we're gonna leave you with our action step. Are you tracking your financial health by using net worth and a net worth tracker? You better be. If you take one thing from this episode, please start tracking your net worth on a monthly basis. It will help you with the right mindset on how to handle your money.
0: This is Lance. This is Scott. Live and give on less than you make and invest the difference. Dollars and hot oh, slouts. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, buddy, come on now. Come on now.